Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi there, and welcome to the Syrupcast. If you're tuning in to the Syrupcast for the first time, it's a podcast by Mobile Syrup, Canada's largest independent tech website, which we look back at the week that was in Canadian telecom and tech news. This is episode 163. We're recording it on Thursday, March 22nd, 2018. Uh, this week, I'm joined by Mobile Syrup <laughs> Managing Editor, Patrick O'Rourke. I just learned today that I can't count, so now I have to fix all of the podcast numbers. Well, I learned for the hundredth time that I can't speak. I don't know why I'm hosting this podcast. Because you got the beautiful voice. Oh, thank you, you got it. Uh, we also have Mobile Syrup Senior Editor, Rose Bihar. Rose. Hello. Uh, that was a good catch. I liked 18. <laughs> but you yeah. really caught it at the end there. You got it. Uh, you know, it's it's a miracle any of these podcasts actually like Make get on there. the website yeah. because... I don't know, but I can, I'll only speak for myself, but I'm a hot mess in general. Uh, I don't know about you two. Um, yeah, but some, sometimes. Depends on the day of the week. Um, so, Rose, earlier this week, you got a cool ch- uh, opportunity to speak with, one might say, the co-head <laughs> of Sidewalk Labs. His title changes seemingly every day. <laughs> on uh, every platform. On every platform. Uh, so tell us about this interview. So I spoke with um, Rit Agarwala, short for Rohit, um, mm-hmm. but it's how he's, how he's known. Um, he, just to briefly explain the title confusion, uh, he goes by a couple of different titles on different platforms. On LinkedIn, he's co-head of Sidewalk Labs. On Twitter, he's chief policy officer at Sidewalk Labs. Uh, but and according to Sidewalk Labs itself, he is head of urban systems. So mm-hmm. that's what we're going with. Regardless, though, he was a really interesting guy. And what we talked about was the overall vision for Sidewalk Toronto. Mm-hmm. So let's take a step back, first of all. For those who haven't been following this saga, what is Sidewalk Labs? Pat, you were there too, so you I've can heard chime in. It's this like Google Village in Toronto that tracks when you poop. Is there truth to this statement? Whoa. It's- it's funny, but that's actually what people are concerned about. So mm-hmm. it is somewhat a Google village in mm-hmm. that it is uh, Alphabet, or uh, formerly known as Google's, play at smart cities, uh, their, their initiative for smart cities. And mm-hmm. Toronto is their first really from the ground up attempt to build their own neighborhood. So this is the neighborhood that Google built. Mm-hmm. And so people are concerned, of course, like the main concern with Google is always, are you taking my data? And the main concern here is when I live in a neighborhood built by Google, how much will you know about me? So what I gathered is that they really will track how much you poop. <laughs> I mean, it's when when you have this thing in your mind of smart cities, smart neighborhood, like everything's going to be technologically enabled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is the next conclusion is, oh, they're going to know my bowel movements. They're going to know everything about Because we saw some crazy stuff like that at MWC, right? At some of the booths, like the way that people, uh, different, I, I guess different city planning ideas of how 5G technology could be used to be a smart city. 
And one of them was like manhole covers that can detect when there's something wrong with them. I think that was one that Absolutely. sticks out in my mind. Like there's so many different things that can be connected. Everything from street lamps to, um, you know, toasters to anything. Like you could go inside and outside of the home. But the thing that I found interesting was that according to Rit, like he focused more on how are we going to take technological ideas mm -hmm. and put them onto urban planning? Mm -hmm. So who knows if that's actually what the strongest focus is. The strongest focus is probably data, let's be real, because it's Google. But um, the, the other interesting part was that they said, okay, let's look at buildings, but how would uh, engineers, like, you know, technology engineers build, build buildings? How would they make buildings? Well, they would make them modular. They'd make them super easy to update because that's one of the main issues is that, you know, there's always this new technology that comes oh. along and it's like right. every, all of a sudden you have to wire a building for fiber. Well, what if you could make it so modular that it was easy to do that without disrupting I the entire building? I remember reading your feature and one of the things that's sort of resonated with me was how the way they have I guess the condo section of it laid out where there's kind of these courtyards in between and that was so that it could be mixed use like if at some point they're not That's people's right, condos yeah. and there's some kind of retail environment and I didn't think of that before in terms of urban development that's that's really interesting yeah and also like how he also made a big point of how can you um, let these technological innovations change a neighborhood so they I think also kind of want to look into the future and predict the future a little bit um, but in a place that is lower cost to do so than in the Bay Area where right. they do a lot of their work. So, you know, while of course there's like uh, self-driving cars everywhere in the Bay Area and it is kind of a test area in, it, in and of itself, um, what they have in Toronto is an opportunity to make streets that match the self-driving cars. That was really interesting to me is like the streets uh, by virtue of being just driven on by self-driving cars can be narrower because, you know, there doesn't need to be as much kind of um, margin of error for a human uh, driver, right? Who needs more space to, because they're, they're not driving perfectly straight down the road, right? In the middle, I should say, whereas a self-driving car can do that. Supposedly, at Supposedly. least. Supposedly. It's going to look like <laughs> you know, a robot. That's what I've decided. Exactly. Like, that's it. what you envision when you hear these plans is this, like, future metropolis. Mm -hmm. And then they also have all these statements about how they're going to make it super egalitarian. It's going to mm -hmm. be for everybody, not just a tech enclave for tech workers, which you would think. And I think everybody thought, like, okay, Sidewalk Labs. When we first heard about it, we were like, so it's going to be a place for Google employees to live, mm -hmm. right? Like, I think that that's was what my that was my thought. Yeah. Um, but they don't want that. They say they want to really represent the diversity of Toronto. Mm -hmm. So they're going to have apparently a mix of high and low end housing or, or like pricing. Right. Affordable housing mm -hmm. with, yeah, for profit uh, yeah. spaces. And yeah. different options. You don't just have to buy. You can also rent. But like, I'm not sure even with that, whether how well that's that's going to end up working. Mm -hmm. But regardless, they're still developing this area of Toronto that is super undeveloped. So a lot of people are seeing it in mostly a positive light from that respect. Yeah. So, I mean, did you leave the interview more like uh, positive on the project and specifically kind of the privacy implications? I, I left the, the uh, interview feeling fairly positive about it because it's it's clear that this is a bunch of engineers who 
at least at, at, at the, the project level, a bunch of engineers who are really excited about making their dream future neighborhood, you know, mm-hmm. like, and that is pretty exciting. But of course, you always have to take it with the other side of technology, which is that it's a business. Mm-hmm. And so you're always going to have um, the business side, the money making side, sort of slightly corrupting the like idealistic, futuristic side. So um, in terms of, of data, like I think I think we can only expect that to be a reality like it. Google, that's how Google makes its money. That's how Google uh, enriches its services. That's how mm-hmm. it keeps itself powerful. Its knowledge graph is one of the most valuable things about Google. So that's why they're doing this project. They want to know how to, not just to get into your home, but also to get into uh, your, the your city, city streets. The yeah. city streets, yeah. Yeah, because a lot of stuff they haven't decided as well too, right? Like they're still figuring it out because Samir went to... It's like a town hall Q&A session about it. Mm-hmm. And when I read his story, like there's no answers to any questions, like even about, so they're obviously going to be collecting data, like where are they going to be storing it? They can answer that. They're working with the government and other organizations to figure it out. Um, so, I mean, that I guess that's what I find, I guess, still a little concerning about this is that nothing really seems to be figured out at this point. Yeah, it's still very much open and they're making a big deal about how they're reaching out to people. So they got, uh, you know, people in Toronto to point out thought leaders on mobility, uh, like accessibility issues or different policy issues. And they also apparently sent out around 50,000 um, letters just to random people in Toronto asking them to be part of an advisory board. To, so they're still like on the intake for um, ideas for sidewalk mm-hmm. labs. But I don't know if we can expect them to be that transparent about data issues going forward, even when they uh, get closer to actual development. I think they're probably going to keep that under wraps. Uh, when is the project supposed to start construction? 2019? Yeah, they, I think they were saying towards the end of... So, sorry, yeah. so in Samir's story, it says sidewalks, uh, sidewalks Toronto Master Innovation and Development Plan is currently in development and is expected to be unveiled at the end of 2018 or early 2019. Mm-hmm. So that that's not even them like breaking ground yet, right? That's yeah. just them like presenting what they're actually going to do, um, going beyond the like fancy renders with the pretty trees and stuff that they've been showing. They're off very so nice far. renders. They are very I'm nice be renders. Honest. I wonder what uh, like engineering, architecture, design firm or whatever made them. That's some cool stuff. It was really cool. There's one where they're on the waterfront, so there's like this slip for boats, and they. Um, put a bunch of floating uh, land masses in mm-hmm. that. Like the idea is that I'm you have at it right different now. like modular areas on the, in on the water as well. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. It's it it looks amazing. And then as Pat and Igor were saying, the streets are smaller, leaving more room for these different promenades everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and the the buildings they look kind of like stacked sort of lego like because mm-hmm. it's all sort of modular so it's a bit more like what you might have seen with the um containers like the big shipping containers stacked on top of each other it's sort of what it looks like for the buildings yeah i mean i will say like uh what makes me you know despite the fact that we had that first uh human fatality from an autonomous vehicle uh, via uber um what makes me really excited about this project specifically is going back to that you know if it is in fact limited to autonomous cars then the kind of concept of a north american city changes where it's far less about uh cars 
which I find, you know, like I walk everywhere. I take the TTC everywhere. And uh, I mean, Toronto is a great city, but an issue with it is it's built far too accommodating to cars. And so it takes forever to get everywhere. Um, as opposed to a, like a block like this would be really easy to navigate as a pedestrian and really enjoyable, I think. Yeah, that that was something that they've really pushed is the idea of no, uh, nothing but autonomous cars on the eastern mm-hmm. quayside. So that would be hugely major. And he said there would be exceptions for like emergency vehicles, obviously, mm-hmm. or, or taxis. TTC vehicles, but, I assume. Yeah. 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 But uh, it would, and then also envisioning kind of this sort of shared taxi rides where people mm-hmm. would share it together and stuff like that. And uh, again, we'll see how that works. People aren't really that into sharing. So that mm-hmm. seems kind of like a bit pie in the sky. But, Uber pool sucks. <laughs> yeah. Like mm. even Uber pool, people haven't got into, but um it could make things extremely different. Mm-hmm. So continuing the theme of data, uh, Facebook this week has been in the news a lot for leaking. Uh, well, we'll call it a data breach, I think, is what people have decided to call it. Right. Uh, um, in 2014, the company changed its uh, kind of policies with how apps can handle user data. But prior to that, it was, I think, kind of safari season basically or open season i should say right it was Uh, legal what they were doing cambridge uh, analytica yeah so do you want to fill us in on again rose you wrote the story on that uh yeah no problem uh, so i where it starts is with um cambridge analytica this research this data firm mm -hmm. that works with um different political campaigns and has worked with Trump's campaign and worked so with... So read with Trudeau, uh, Trudeau, the Trudeau government paid the the whistleblower. I think it was something like 100,000 was uh, an article I saw. Yeah. I didn't get a chance to read it, but, you know, so yeah. even Canada. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and across the world. Um, they worked with, um, they worked with a, a Cambridge uh, academic who was, who was testing out a way of, of doing these kind of personality tests Mm -hmm. and basically the he went through a facebook app about two hundred thousand people took this personality test and then they gained access from those people to their friends eventually like getting about fifty thousand people's information more Um, than fifty thousand over fifty thousand yeah without like specific rights without authorization specific authorization So through those accounts they then mine the data of many many other accounts okay and using that to then create the kind of uh social media campaigns that we've come to see where they're preying more on beliefs than facts Mm -hmm. so you know and 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 deep-seated concerns so they tailor to like you know, if a person is concerned about their family, they'll tailor uh, perhaps an ad that's like, well, this political candidate hates families and they just want to kick every family in the face. And so that's kind of the idea of like, it, it's more, it's sort of, uh, I mean, the, obviously the, the political, like the, it's, you know, it's, it's in poor taste, I guess. And that's mm-hmm. one part of the story. But the the part that everybody is more concerned about is the, the data and the fact that Facebook subsequently um, was alerted that they still had the data in 2015 mm-hmm. and uh, only requested that they delete it without following up and seeing that they had deleted it. Mm-hmm. And I- 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I think, you know, a big concern is it's kind of the Pandora's box is open at this point or the genie is out, right? In the sense that what can Facebook do now that these companies have not only taken this data, used it, but also laundered it? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, it's can't just be Cambridge Analytica, right? Which is, mm-hmm. so, I mean, it's, it's a bad time for Facebook. They're already going through their kind of Russian influence campaign scandal mm-hmm. as well. Um, but I know that, uh, that Mark Zuckerberg just came out and did a bit of a press tour. It was, it was that bad that Mark actually had to come out and, and explain and I don't know if he actually apologized. Did he apologize? I think on CNN he did. I, I don't know. Like, I saw yeah. headlines where it said like Mark Zuckerberg in Zuckerberg Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg. <laughs> in quotes like I'm sorry stuff like that. So I don't yeah. know if he apologized in his formal statement that he mm-hmm. sent out, but I think mm-hmm. at some point he said sorry in some way. He said somewhere. I, I do recall I was watching the CNN interview yesterday at the gym, and it's like he was not sure whether. Uh, Facebook shouldn't be regulated. Yeah. Right? yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Which is, you know, very convoluted. Yes, we probably should be. Regulated. Double negative. Yeah. Um, so the <clears throat> one one question that I was wondering is like, so if I have an app on my phone that needs Facebook access to operate, that counts as well, right? Just taking things back to the mobile angle. Is, I mean, is that how it works as well? If you've given authorization, then yeah, like the, then Facebook that that third party has data about you through your Facebook profile. Okay. Um, and but this this situation was even kind of more uh, sort of shady because it was going. It's your beyond friends, that right? It's friends not. It's well. not just oh, your yeah. account that you're giving permission to. Exactly. You're, you also have access. To, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's. Uh, I think. I mean. I don't know. What are your opinions on whether Facebook should be regulated? And they obviously haven't done a very good job of, of self-regulating. Yeah, I think it's, you know, I, I'm sure readers will love me for saying this, but I think about it this kind of way. It's like capitalism is a system that is inherently inhumane until we put limits on it. And I think the same can be said of Facebook, right? Like, when you kind of give this company that is very much driven by profit free reign to do basically whatever they want with our data, there's going to be some shady stuff, right? Because it is not about serving you, the consumer, and making sure that your data is protected. It's about serving, you know, the needs of the company shareholders and ensuring that they get the most value for this data. Uh, so, yeah, Facebook should be regulated. And I think we're increasingly, not just Facebook, but Twitter, Instagram, all these social medias, we clearly like more and more studies are coming out that uh, they're really unhealthy for us, you know, mentally, uh, psychologically, politically. There is clearly, you know, like great benefit to these technologies that connect us. Like it's great that I can talk to my friends in, you know, my friend in Korea, my friend in Japan. um, And yet we've seen, you know, like I'm like a pretty like, when it comes to politics, I think I'm pretty reasonable, 
right and or especially kind of i think you would say yeah, it's yeah i would agree yeah you know pretty yeah. reasonable like i'm open to all opinions but that's not that's not true of everyone right like we as human beings inherently you know we're seeking validation for our opinions right and facebook creates this feedback loop where if it's a negative whether it's positive or negative it's constantly being reinforced to the point where we create people like these these quote unquote bad actors so but so that's I, just one man's take i think <laughs> so, so the, the question that i always have when people talk about regulating something like facebook that's so enormous and as part of everyone's life is like how do you do that yeah you know what i mean like cool. what's the process for that I'm not smart enough to come up with what that process would look like, but you know what I mean? Well, especially where you're spanning all these different governments. It's an international platform. Mm -hmm. um, I, I just think, don't know how you solve that. I know, but I think at the very least, like more transparency. Again, it would be difficult because multiple, all these different governments. Um, but if, if those bigger platforms, not just like Facebook, but also like Google and Netflix were required to be a little more transparent across the board about um, how they regulate things. Like, for instance, we don't even really know very much about how Facebook uh, does its moderation, how it does its ad selling, different things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, they don't have to tell us. And a lot of those things are difficult because it's competitive secrets. But yeah, um, it, I do agree that I think those like there would be it would be good to know a little bit more information about that and maybe those are then some of the areas that we would be able to even know how to get started on regulation, but it's kind of difficult to say as it stands. Yeah. I would say at the very least, what needs to change is, you know, perhaps at the onboarding process for Facebook, it explains to you its privacy settings, right? Like, so uh, I saw a tweet the other day that explained how to stop these apps from pulling this information about you, other apps, right? And there's this whole section of Facebook that you would never know exists because it's buried between, like, below so many different settings where you control what uh, apps that other people use can scrape in terms of information right. from your account, right? Connect, connected apps. Connected yeah. apps, right? So, like, at what point in the onboarding process does Facebook explain that to you, right? That this these are settings, like, they might, like, hint or allude to it, but it's never explicitly, like, hey... These are our default privacy settings. That's true. I feel like mm -hmm. even if they did that, mm -hmm. the average user, like you and I, sure, we would be like, oh, yeah. and, and would set off a red flag. But the average user just like, like, I don't, I don't I care. I just want it. Yeah. I just want to log into whatever this account is that I want to use. I don't mm -hmm. really care what I give away. Yeah. Because what always shocks me is like uh, when someone downloads a free app, whether it's on the Google Play Store or whatever, they don't realize that it's not really free, right? You're like mm -hmm. selling your private data essentially to the app developer who then does whatever they want to do with it they think that it's actually free and like this company is just making this app there's a mm -hmm. lot of people that really do think that and that's always confused me um so i think even if there were if facebook was a little more transparent regarding um what it's doing with the data i think that would be great but to the average facebook user which is like how many how many facebook users are there now something insane Billions. It's in the billions, billions, billions yeah. upon I billions. Don't know how many. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think they would even like bat an eye at it. They would just still click through. Anyways. Yeah, that's true. Um, if I can just, we're running out of time. So I just wanted a quick question for both of you. It's like, we've seen this delete Facebook movement. Do you think anything's going to come out of that? I mean, I know quite a lot of people who are asking me if they should delete Facebook recently. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the trick is you delete Facebook 
do you also delete messenger do you also delete whatsapp do instagram you like, yeah. do you also delete instagram yeah. it's a huge ecosystem at this point and if you really want to boycott facebook then you have to boycott them all so mm. i don't see it really taking off go off the grid yeah. just use no social media yeah mm. I, just I, use g plus i agree i think some people that are particularly passionate about privacy will delete their accounts and publicly state that they're not going to go on facebook anymore uh, but a lot of people, it just flies under the radar for them. It doesn't matter. And they're just going to yeah. keep doing as they always have. Yeah, I think the issue is so much that it's such an integral part, you know, quote unquote, to our lives at this point. Yeah. Right? Like, I could I, I mean, certainly I could probably imagine a life without Instagram, which I love. I you like know, but, Instagram too. You know, like Messenger, I find is a really easy way to chat with my friends and stay in touch. That's like how I talk easiest. to my mom. Yeah. That's like the way that I communicate with my mom is through Facebook Messenger. Yeah. And I mean, I could do that on, on another platform, but Facebook Messenger is just so accessible. It's like on every device. I can use it on desktop. Mm-hmm. So I I don't know. There's no contact list. Yeah, there's right? no contact, contact list. list. Yeah. You yeah. know, like no joke. I recently deleted Facebook and Messenger just for like mental health reasons. And then I was like, oh, okay, but I still need a chat app to like mm-hmm. message people. And then I downloaded WhatsApp again. So, I mean, you're just still with And that's Facebook the, owned, right? Yeah. Facebook, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so there is You can't escape it. Yeah, you can't escape, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> um, shout outs this week, guys. Uh, let me just open mine up. I know what it is. Okay. But I got to find it. Yeah, I can the... go ahead. Okay, mine's Ooh. kind of fun this week. I decided Ooh. not to be serious this time. Okay. Um, I just want to shout out to Hot Ones, my favorite YouTube show. Okay. Actually, it's up there with Jesus and Mara, oh but God, I know what I'm doing. Hot Ones is um, it's the show where celebrities have to answer questions while eating increasingly hot. This is a great show. Rings. Yes, yes. It's so fun. Yeah. With Sean Evans, and uh, I just I kind of watch one every morning now, mm-hmm. and some of the celebrities can really take the heat. Some of them start like Not hallucinating. So yeah. It's, it's really fun. So that's my shout out. My shout out goes to my new favorite podcast, Blink 155. So <laughs> uh, when I discovered this, I was I was like blown away that this actually exists. So it's a podcast uh, by two Canadian sort of journalist media personalities. Um, and they go through every single Blink 182 song <laughs> and they talk about it from an analytical perspective. Amazing. And, and like analyze the misogyny in the songs and like from a feminist perspective and it's the most ridiculous thing i've ever listened to and i don't understand why it exists but i love that it does and i've listened to many episodes this week and it's amazing hashtag get patrick o'rourke on blink 155 i want to get that trending yes on twitter all right well this is the Syrupcast community, such that it is, yeah. help band us together. Yeah, band together. Tweet we, them. Tell them that I need to be on this podcast to um, divulge my ridiculous level of knowledge about Blink One Eighty Two. That That's at makes Blink no sense. folks. Yeah. Yes. There you go. Cool. That's my shout out. If we need to, we'll start like a GoFundMe campaign. <laughs> GoFundMe. <laughs> I don't know what we're going to fund. I even backed them on Patreon. This is the first time in my life I have ever backed a Patreon. I even backed them on that because I was like, this thing. Needs to keep going, and it's ridiculous. How many Blink-182 songs are there? 155. That's why the podcast is called Oh, that. it all makes Mind sense. explodes. Yeah it's, yeah, it's scary that it exists, um, but I'm quite glad that it does. How many songs have they done? They've, I think they have like 30 or 40 episodes. Okay. I was actually disappointed in myself that it took me this long to discover it. Yeah. Yeah. That was You're like a good way through the canon at I this know. point. So I've yeah. listened. I've caught up almost. I'm like halfway through. 
I've only discovered this like a week ago, so I've listened mm-hmm. to a lot of it. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's my shout out. New one for this week. Uh, my shout out goes to my new cat son, Liam, who just disappeared into the bowels of my dad's home and we haven't been able to find him. Do you know where he went? Somewhere in the basement. Uh, he's since come out to eat. We haven't seen him. We've just seen the evidence. Okay. Um, so that means he's okay at least. He's okay. Right? Yeah. There was a moment yesterday while the whole team was bowling where I was just like, well, you know, I might have to tell my friend V that her cat is like either gone or dead. Which is uncomfortable to say the least, uh, and not a good thing for your friendship with a person when you know they trusted you to foster their uh, beautiful cat son. Um, so yeah, uh, learn from my mistakes. Instead of giving your new cat free roam of your house, bring them into one room. You know, make sure <laughs> they're com- one room at a time. Uh, one room at a time. Take things slowly. Don't introduce them to your uh, demon niece and nephew who are complete like psychos is that that what happened oh yeah they're like oh my god liam you're so pretty let's chase you now and it's like yeah anyway i was like i'm out of here that's what my niece does to my cat my cat will be like hissing at her and like trying to scratch her yeah because she's loud and like a little kid and my cat's never around kids Mm -hmm. um and she just thinks that the cat like wants to play and be her friend. And I'm like, this cat hates you. Like, yeah. don't go near her. She wants to rip your face off. Like, leave her alone. Yeah. So uh, there, uh, cat parenting advice. You probably weren't expecting that this episode, but that's what you got. So remember, help uh, help us uh, fund Patrick's campaign yeah, to get on. Get me on the podcast. I was wrong. They're, they're not Toronto based, but they are like Canadian. Okay. Which okay. makes it makes it better. Makes but, it yeah. better. Yeah. Get me on that podcast so I can use useless facts that i never thought i would use in my life and uh where can people find you pat you can find me on twitter at at patrick underscore o'rourke or on mobile syrup where you'll find me writing about uh pub and that at patrick's important if we're going to get pat exactly. on the campaign yeah. so remember that write it down yes. if you need to rose where can people find you i'm at rose bahar on twitter and of course you can find me on mobile syrup and I'm at Igor Bonifacic. Um, mobile Syrup generally is at Mobile Syrup, whether it's on face, uh, Facebook, delete Facebook, uh, Instagram. Don't actually don't delete Facebook if you intend to follow. <laughs> delete, delete, delete your Facebook account, but then just go to our Facebook page and click on the stories. Yes. There you go. Everyone's a winner. Uh, and then lastly, of course, Twitter at Twitter uh, or at Mobile Syrup. Um, if you have a question, comment, or concern, you can send it to podcast at mobilesyrup.com. Uh, just note, I'm the person who checks it. So if you're sending books to Robin, that just creates a bunch of work for me where I have to forward these books to Robin. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the best thing I've heard. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Next week, we have a packed episode. Two special guests will be talking about all the CRTC decisions. So tell your friends that's going to be a jam-packed episode. It's going to be hype. That's right. We we have got confirmed Christine Dobby of the Globe and Mail and Emily Jackson of the National Post slash Financial Post. New player enters. So it'll be a fun episode. I will be gone, uh, but the podcast will be in amazing hands.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.